Today on Blue 58, the Packers might be without their best cornerback for some time. What happens if Jair Alexander's shoulder injury lingers? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. It's good to get a win on Sunday, but we mentioned after the game that it was uh, tainted a little bit by Jair Alexander's injury. Uh, late in the game, well, second half, I suppose, uh, Jair Alexander going low, uh, slams his shoulder into a ball carrier and comes up, looks like he's in a pretty serious amount of pain. And since then, the big question is, how serious is this injury? And nobody knows. By the time you hear this, you may know, but I will say, just in summary of what we've heard from Matt LaFleur and the Packers so far, if it wasn't serious, I feel like we'd have known by now. The question, I think, is going to be exactly how serious this is going to be. And as I spoke about a little bit after the game, there are certainly degrees of shoulder injuries. Things can linger. Things can clear up quickly. Sometimes you need surgery. Sometimes you don't need surgery. Sometimes you just wear one of those shoulder harnesses, and away you go. The question is, what do the Packers do without Jair Alexander? Because it looks like they're going to have to be without him for at least some time over the next, let's say, month or so. Could be a couple weeks, could be a month, could be longer than that, but it's going to be a while, it seems, before he's going to be ready to go. And when he is ready to go, it's an open question as to how close he'll be to 100%. So what if Jair Alexander is going to be gone for a while? I think it comes down to bigger roles for other players on the defense. Kevin King is on his way back, and unfortunately, he is the first guy, I think, who's going to get a a bigger role. I say that because his role was in decline prior to Alexander's injury. It's pretty clear at this point that Eric Stokes is the number two corner, or at least I think it should be. Heaven forbid Kevin King comes back and Jair Alexander is healthy this week, and Eric Stokes is suddenly playing behind Kevin King again. That just shouldn't happen. But the Packers need another outside cornerback, and Kevin King is probably the the best option they have right now. So when he is healthy, when he is over his concussion situation, he is the first guy who's going to get a crack at increased playing time, which is a bummer, but that's where we are. Second guy who stands to benefit from this, if you can say benefit, is Eric Stokes. I'm excited to see what he does now that his role in the lineup has been more or less cemented by Alexander being being gone. I think this could go a couple different ways, and it's probably going to go both ways sooner than later. First, he's going to continue to surprise people with his, with his level of play. He's been a long, physical, athletic corner so far. He can run stride for stride with anybody that shows up even on the TV copy. He can do it. He's got the physical tools. And on the positive side... I think you'd describe him as everything that Kevin King was supposed to be, a long, athletic, physical cornerback who can match up with anybody. Shifty little guys, he'll overwhelm them with his size. Bigger guys who want to win with physicality, well, he's right there with them. That's the Eric Stokes we've seen so far. It hasn't been perfect, and that's the flip side of the Eric Stokes experience. The, the book on Stokes coming out was that he was a very grabby corner, liked to use his hands a lot, and you can get away with it a lot differently in college. First, because they call things differently, and secondly, the stakes just aren't so high. Pass interference isn't a spot foul in college, which means that getting called for pass interference doesn't hurt your team as much. 
And we've seen some issues with contact for Stokes yet, but the hammer hasn't really dropped. But if he's going to be playing more, it's coming. Just prepare yourself for when it does, because it may be in a bad spot. You never know. But I think it's coming with Stokes. He's going to get a lesson in what you can get away with in the NFL at some point here. And now that he's going to be in the crosshairs more, well, that lesson is coming probably sooner than later. As for guys who are still on the Packers roster, I think you have to ask about Isaac Yadam and Kavion Ento as far as bigger roles for um, people filling in for, for Jair Alexander. You've got Chandon Sullivan, you've got Shamar Jean Charles or John Charles, however he says his name, but they're slot corners. They play inside. Yadam and Ento are the other outside guys. What does their role look like? Do the Packers go to them or do they try to get, get away with playing more safety looks now that they're going to be down one of their better defensive backs? I don't know. Uh, but if either of those guys are on the field, I think we've got to worry about some significant problems. First, Yadam is not a terribly athletic corner. I mean, he's athletic you know, compared to the rest of us, but compared to some of the other guys on the roster, he's not a, much of a burner, not a super explosive athlete, certainly not compared to KB on Ento. Flat out speed, they're pretty close, but Ento can jump out of the gym. An explosive springy player, basically his entire game so far. And Ento's probably right there with Yadam as far as coverage. But Ento can't tackle. And he's shown that or showed that consistently in the preseason, and that's why he didn't end up on the 53-man roster. He's a good athlete, but there are some big questions there. Which of those questions proves to be one the Packers are willing to roll the dice on? I don't know, but uh, we'll find out here in the near future as the Packers try to fill in behind Jair Alexander. Finally, I think we can't rule out a guy like Kadar Holman. Now, he's not on the roster currently. He's on the Giants practice squad. But if the Packers are looking for someone who they're familiar with, who we know is a good athlete, who has some special teams upside, why not bring in old friend Kadar Holman? I don't think you can rule it out out of hand yet. So just file that one away in the back of your mind. Obviously, this is a bad situation. And I think if you want to take a lesson away from this, it shows just how precarious an elite or I guess even passable defense can be. The Packers have been pretty good on defense the past couple of weeks, but look who they have to have on the field for that all to happen. It's been barely holding together up front with Zedarius Smith out of the lineup. And if these games had been closer, more throughout the game, I think the Packers would have been gashed in the run game quite a bit more. But as it stood, the Packers were ahead and, you know, teams were trying to throw to catch up on them. But now that Jair Alexander is out, this defense looks even more precarious. And that's really just having two guys down. You could say three and Kevin King, sure, but he's not somebody they're really relying on on defense. As soon as a couple parts start to come off the field, things start to come apart pretty quickly. And I think you see pretty quickly how hard it is to scheme around your personnel shortcomings on defense as opposed to on offense. Circling back to this week, looking ahead to the Packers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, thought we'd spend a couple minutes talking about some guys the Packers have had in Green Bay this week. The Packers have worked out Delano Hill, Justice Reed, and George Silvanic as potential prospects to come to the roster, either the 53 or the practice squad. Let's look at those, each of those guys real quickly. Uh, 
Delano Hill actually goes by Lano. Six foot one, two hundred and sixteen pounds out of Michigan. Twenty seventeen third round pick has played forty two games over the past four years with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, two seven hundred forty two snaps on defense for him. Six eighty six on special teams, so he is good enough to get on the field in a couple different phases. Pretty good athlete. Seven eight nine relative athletic score. Ran a four four seven forty yard dash. Good agility numbers. The big attraction here is his size. You're probably looking at a special teamer, but with that athletic profile, hey, you like what you're getting there. Uh, I do think it's interesting that the Packers um, have continued to work out safeties. Something's going on in the back end there. They're not happy with Henry Black or Vernon Scott or something because they keep churning there. They keep looking at guys. Almost every week they've got a different safety coming in for a look. There's something going on there. They want to make a change at some point. Uh, Justice Reed. I'm not super excited about. 6'3", 253-pound edge rusher, outside linebacker type, undrafted out of Virginia Tech this spring, a 378 relative athletics score, I think tells the story as to why. No real redeeming qualities there other than, you know, some pretty decent size as an outside linebacker. But fairly productive in college. We talk about production ratio, uh, tackles for loss and sacks per game. In his college career, he was a 1.08 production ratio. Good enough to play, I guess. Somebody worth looking at if you're just looking at pure productivity. And really, I think with Zedaria Smith's injury lingering for goodness knows how long now, the Packers need to be looking at every available edge rusher with a pulse. And uh, Reed has that going for him at least. Finally, George Silvanic, 6'5", 285-pound prospect out of Air Force. Don't see a lot of former Falcons kicking around in the NFL. 2021 undrafted free agent. Production ratio of exactly one at Air Force. However... He only played in seven games in his college career. He spent some time with the Rams earlier this year. Probably another depth guy here. His size makes me wonder if they might be thinking of him as a potential giant edge rusher. 285 pounds is pretty heavy, but at that length, not so much. If he's got any kind of movement skills, they may be looking at him as a potential Zedaria Smith replacement. Just a big guy who can bump inside, outside, whatever. 6'5", 285, uh, puts you in that kind of category. There you have it, three tryout guys who were in Green Bay this week. Before we get into a couple other topics I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to return to something I've neglected here for a while. Shoutouts for our patrons. Patreon.com slash The Power Sweep is a great place to support what we're doing here. Uh, Blue 58, The Power Sweep, the whole nine yards. It takes money to get all this done. And uh, this is one way I think you can you can support us where you get something out of it too. Uh, supporting us on Patreon gives you access to our Discord server where you can chat with Packers fans from all over the world as well as some additional bonus content, game notes, uh, early releases on special podcasts, uh, access to my weekly picks, and uh, other stuff, uh, monthly Ask Me Anything posts where we talk about whatever is on your mind. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I think it's a good way to have a additional relationship between us that allows you to support what we do here and me to give you something extra for doing that. So thank you to all the patrons who support us there. Thank you in particular today to Mark Walker, JJ, and Dr. Hillbilly, each of whom have supported us uh, for some time now, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you to those three. Thank you if you are considering it as well. I'd highly encourage you to do it. Patreon.com slash sweep. Today, I thought we would take a little bit of a look at some of the new guys showing up in Green Bay So this season. Not everybody who comes to Green Bay, not everybody who signs with the team 
as an undrafted free agent, a free agent to, uh, who is drafted by the team is expected to be a contributor. But there's a few guys who I think we should talk about as newcomers almost a quarter of the way through the season, I guess a little bit more than a quarter of the way through the season. I don't know how to do this anymore. Uh, with 17 games, when's the quarter mark? There isn't one anymore. It doesn't divide up neatly. It, it bothers me. Uh, but four games is as good at any point, as is as good as any point to look at that kind of thing. So let's take a second and look at guys who are new to the team this year. I've got three categories for us to look at. Uh, top 100 draft picks, uh, notable undrafted free agents, just one guy in that category, and regular free agents. So let's run through our list here. Uh, top 100 draft picks. We've got three here for the Packers, Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, and Amari Rogers. And I think we look at each one of these guys in three different ways, what they were supposed to be, the early impressions, and then the outlook for the rest of the season. First, Stokes. What was he supposed to be? I think he was supposed to be, and we've described this multiple times over the course of uh, his time with the Packers, he was supposed to be the guy who came in and was athletic depth early on, but takes over for Kevin King at some point this year. And the early impressions are, are that he has exactly lived up to that billing. He's a long athletic corner who makes plays on the ball quite regularly. And uh, he has basically taken over for Kevin King at this point. I would be surprised if he loses any snaps to the Packers' former second-round pick at this point. So the outlook for the rest of the season is that he continues to grow. There are going to be growing pains, but his role is not diminishing anytime soon in Green Bay. What about Josh Myers? What was he supposed to be? Well, I think he was supposed to be a, a pretty much ready-made replacement for Corey Lindsley. They don't take you in the second round as a center if you're not expected to play and play early. And with Corey Lindsley heading off to both potentially greener and certainly sunnier uh, pastures in Los Angeles, the Packers needed Josh Myers to be that replacement Corey Lindsley type early on. And the Packers have gotten some pretty good results with young centers in the relatively recent past. Lindsley himself, a rookie starter there, uh, J.C. Treader prior to him uh, playing as a very young player, and now Myers carries on that legacy, uh, filling in at center, uh, taking over at center, and playing fairly well so far this season. Early impressions are he is exactly as advertised. He's a big athletic center, assignment sure. I don't have any complaints. Uh, and I think his outlook over the course of the season is that he will just continue to be more and more polished in that role. We saw one bugaboo with him in the uh, 49ers game where they the Packers were going for it on fourth and short deep in 49ers territory. And there was an issue between Myers and Rodgers with the snap that caused a, apparently a misfire on the play the Packers had drawn up. No points, uh, no first down for the Packers there. And uh, Myers had a learning experience. But other than that, things have been pretty smooth for the second-round pick out of Ohio State. And I think they would just be getting smoother as the season continues to go on. Amari Rogers, the third and final top 100 pick for the Packers this year. A little bit of shame, uh, of a shame that we don't get to talk about Royce Newman doing things this way. But um, he's even, I guess, more of a surprise uh, coming where he did in the draft. But uh, that's a topic for another day. So we don't get a, too long of a list here. Maury Rogers, what was he supposed to be? Supposedly, he was going to be the Tyler Irvin type. He was going to be the guy running jet sweeps. He was going to be returning punts, maybe some kickoffs too. That was the role carved out for him. Early in the season, though, he hasn't really been able to find his way into that role. And I think that's where the flip side of some of the Amari Rogers scouting reports come in. 
he's a smaller guy. Height-wise, sure, but um, not so much weight-wise, but height-wise, a, a smaller dude. Uh, not necessarily the, the game-breaking athlete type either. Some guys are, are a little bit shorter, uh, but they make for, up for it with unreal athleticism. That's not really Roger's game. He's a consistency guy. He's a execution guy. He's a assignment-sure guy. All good qualities to have, but if you're going to be playing a role that's built almost entirely around speed and creating space you're going to have a harder time getting into that role. So things have been a bit of an adjustment for Amari Rodgers so far. But as we look to the rest of the season for him, I think there's a real chance he continues to carve out a role like that. We saw a little bit of what he can do in the running game this past Sunday. He sprung A.J. Dillon for a nice gain off of jet motion, sealing up the edge against a guy much bigger than he was, providing a quality block for A.J. Dillon to run behind. That is how a guy like Rodgers is going to get on the field. And that is what he is going to have to continue to do um, to continue to expand his role over the course of the 2021 season. Moving on to undrafted free agents, really the only one we're talking about at this point is Jack Heflin. What was he supposed to be? This is a tricky question because best case scenario, I thought for him, was probably a practice squad defensive lineman. Maybe something like Willington Prevalon was last year. He had some pass rush juice, sure, but it looked like things were pretty well established ahead of him. There wasn't a lot of vulnerable spots on the the depth chart. You've got Kenny Clark, obviously. You've got Dean Lowry. You've got Kingsley Kiki. TJ Slayton, an actual draft pick this year. And then Tyler Lancaster, a guy that they they were very familiar with, who is very similar in a lot of ways to what Heflin is supposed to be good at. Really, he had one shot to make it to the roster, and that was kind of beating out Tyler Lancaster. That was the thinking, at least. But He convinced the Packers that it was worth it to keep six defensive linemen, and he's stuck around since then. He is more than just a body for camp, obviously, as we look to early impressions here, but he hasn't been quite enough to get on the field in a meaningful capacity. Only played, I think, three snaps on defense, maybe four this past Sunday. I want him to get a bigger role, and I think over the course of the year, he is going to get a bigger role because he can do some good things on the defensive front. As to when that's going to happen, well, we'll see. It kind of depends what Tyler Lancaster's situation is because I still think they're going to give him the nod if things are um, uncertain at all between him and Heflin. Uh, The Packers have shown some preference for incumbents, and I think that's fine, but it's going to make it tougher for a guy like Heflin to get onto the field. But I think there is an opportunity there for him. The Packers have shown consistently they need more big bodies up front. And he is a big body, a big old trash can full of dirt, right? So Heflin's outlook remains pretty bright this season. Uh, it's just going to to be a question as to when his opportunity is really going to knock uh, in substance. Finally, traditional free agents. Uh, let's start with Dennis Kelly, because I think out of the two between him and Devondre Campbell, he was the guy considered to be... Well, a little bit more of a get. Uh, He was supposed to be an immediate stabilizer at tackle, potentially a starter if the Packers wanted to go with him at right tackle and Billy Turner in guard to give the Packers more options at guard. But the early impressions are pretty much exactly the opposite. In fact, Kelly at this point is basically a break glass in case of emergency player. If the Packers were going to get him on the field, Wouldn't it have been week three and week four when Elton Jenkins is hurt? They got to start Yash Nyman, a former undrafted free agent who's never 
played meaningful snaps in an NFL game. That opposed to Dennis Kelly, the 16-game starter last year, who has played in the Matt LaFleur offense before and played pretty well? I guess not, uh, because the Packers have no regrets, and they shouldn't, uh, for playing Yash Nyman over Dennis Kelly in any capacity. There were some theories, uh, probably would have been my preference, that had uh, Billy Turner starting at left tackle in week three and four, and Kelly coming in on the right side, clearly was not the right call because things have been about as good as you could hope against two pretty good pass rushes with Nyman in the, in the, in the lineup. So in terms of the outlook over the rest of the season, I don't think it's super great for Dennis Kelly getting on the field, and that's good, I guess, in a way, because the Packers are only going to get healthier at tackle as the season continues to go on. Now, say something happens to Billy Turner, maybe the Packers look to, to slot Kelly in there. Maybe they feel more comfortable with him on the right side, sure. But still, Given the fanfare that he received when he arrived in Green Bay this year, uh, disappointment is probably not the right word, probably just surprised as to how things have played out for for Kelly to this point. Now, Devondre Campbell. I've talked about him a lot like Blake Martinez. The The thought there was a was kind of the um, the epitome of the phrase solid, not spectacular, because that's been Campbell throughout his entire NFL career to date. Solid, but not spectacular. He hasn't made a bunch of plays on the ball. He's played now for three different NFL teams, so people aren't just dying to keep him. Uh, But whenever he is on your team, he's starting every game and playing a lot of the snaps, most of the snaps, almost all of the snaps in a lot of instances. And that's where he's been in Green Bay so far. A solid, if unspectacular, player. And maybe even bordering on spectacular. Through four games, 40 total tackles, 26 solo tackles, one hit on a quarterback, an interception, a fumble recovery, two passes defensed. I don't have a lot of complaints. He's doing a lot of things, doing them well, and he's showing what can be accomplished in this defense when you've got a guy who's not actively making your team worse in the middle of it. Much like Blake Martinez, and this is a phrase that I've used a lot, it's a compliment that maybe doesn't sound like as much of a compliment as it should. But he, even though he doesn't necessarily bring a lot to the, play, the table in terms of splash plays, he doesn't take anything off of it either. And thinking about building teams and things like that, it's important to have... B-plus players who are B-plus players because they're always putting up B-plus performances. It's one thing if you get a guy that's sometimes an A and sometimes a C and it averages out to a B or a B-plus. It's another thing to have a guy who's a B or a B-plus every single week. Just consistent, consistent, consistent. He shows up. He's solid. He doesn't make you worse. That's Devondre Campbell. He's showing up and being a B-plus to A-minus player Every week, he's where he's supposed to be. He tackles guys when they come close to him. He doesn't get dragged downfield. He's reasonably athletic. He's tall. A lot to like there. And I think he is one of the best offseason additions, maybe the best to this point in the season that the Packers have made. It's probably him or Josh Myers at this point. And there's a lot to like there. One 
kind of signal caller on your offensive line. One guy wearing the helmet in the middle of your defense. Hey, if you can add solid players at both of those positions in one offseason, I think you've done something pretty well. And the Packers appear to have done something pretty well in bringing Campbell and Myers on board. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate you um, interacting with our thoughts here um, on social media, wherever you find us. Uh, that means a lot to me. It also means a lot to me that if you enjoyed the show, uh, you would take some time and share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to help more people find us, going to get more people involved in this conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers and ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.